You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text HOPE23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to be continuing in our sermon series, John, or, uh, Come and See, and today we're going to be in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 1. Uh, and so what we've been talking about in this Come and See series is really who Jesus was. And we're going to be looking through the beginning of John. And the whole idea of this series is for you to come and see who Jesus is. Uh, Week one, we're saying, hey, come and see who Jesus is. Is he good? And the author of John said, hey, Jesus is the Messiah, the true son of God. So come and see who he is. Last week, we talked through John chapter two, when Jesus had the miracle of turning the water into wine. And at that time, he really, uh, he really showed who he was when he created that miracle, the miraculous signs and wonders that came from Jesus. And here in John chapter 3, we're going to turn to a little different story. And uh, before we read it together, uh, I just want to you know, point out, hey, you know what, most of us in the room, we probably know John 3.16, right? If you haven't seen it, maybe you saw it on a bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it on a sign at the Super Bowl when you're watching the Super Bowl. You see someone hold up the sign, John 3.16. It's really the gospel in one sentence. It's direct, it's clear, it's full of hope. It's full of truth. And when you think about John 3.16, right, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When you think about that, you think about this simplistic message and really Jesus getting straight to the point and sharing this. And a lot of times when I think about sharing John 3.16 with someone, I think about sharing it with someone who maybe doesn't understand God, who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe I'm reaching them and talking to them about church for the very first time right? When I'm talking to them about church or who Jesus is for the very first time, this is probably one of the verses that I'm going to go to to bring an explanation of who Jesus is. But the reality is, is when Jesus actually shared this message, he was not sharing it to someone who was new to faith, someone who did not have biblical understanding. In fact, he was sharing it with someone who was an expert in the faith. And that speaks to the reality that you never graduate from the gospel. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. You never graduate from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much knowledge. It doesn't matter how much wisdom. It doesn't matter how much gifts you have. You never graduate from the gospel. And sometimes it seems like the longer we're around religion, the more that we know. And the more that we know, the less awestruck and the less believable or the believability we have about the gospel, because we know some things now. And I'm going to turn to our story, and you're going to see a man who knew a lot, but Jesus really changed his perspective. Let's start in verse 1, John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, Now there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher coming from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. The one who believes in him may have eternal life. And then we get to the verse we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes or if you want to write something down, the title of my message is this. Can you believe it? Can you believe it. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask you to be here. We ask your presence to be here, God. We are thankful for a community that wants to gather together and have small groups and have intentional time to get to know one another, God. We're thankful for leaders. We're thankful for each and every person who comes and serves, every people who set up the signs, who make the coffee, who clean the church, who do the AVL, who do the worship, who do kids ministry downstairs with our Hope Kids, who serve during the week with our youth who serve everywhere. God, we just want to serve you. We want to trust you. We want to know you more, God. That's our heart's cry, and I pray today that we would come to know you more. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time you saw something spectacular? Saw something spectacular. Now, maybe it was when your wife was walking down the aisle, right? Husbands, that was free. Knock that. You know what I mean, right? Maybe it was when you saw one of the wonders of the world. Maybe it was when you saw the birth of one of your children or all of your children. Do you remember the moment and do you remember how it felt when you saw this thing that was absolutely incredible? You went to this thing and you're like, wow, this is is unbelievable. The feeling of love, the feeling of excitement, the feeling of maybe even a little bit fear of what you're experiencing. I remember the first time that we took Hudson to the zoo and we were walking around looking at all the animals and he was just in awe of everything. He was in awe of everything. And it was so fun as a parent. I think it's fun, you know, when they're that age and they're, they're getting to experience things for the very first time because you're like, oh, did you see that? And I just remember being like, we're walking in, you see the giraffes, and, and you see the bears, and you see all this stuff, and we're at the dolphin show, and the dolphins are jumping, and the phrase that me and Abby, I, I just remember we kept repeating to him was, can you believe it? Can you believe it? The bear's paw is really that big when you're in that little bear cave thing. Can you believe it? The lion is that big. Can you believe it? The giraffe is that big. And just to see his eyes, he was, yeah. Whoa, I can believe it, right? I know, right? Can you believe it? And that's the same exact thing that I think is happening when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Imagine that Jesus is standing there and this first realization of who Jesus is. And this is what's happening in the towns because Jesus is going around. 
and he turned water into wine. So now he's got all these wedding invitations. You know what I mean, right? And he, he, he's walking around and people are like, hey, come on, Jesus, we want to see you there. Jesus is walking around. He's healing people. He's talking to people. He's teaching things that they've never heard. And there's all this buzz around him. People are like, can you believe it? Why? Because there's been whispers of the Messiah who would come back to put Israel on the map. That's been happening for years. Whispers, this guy might be the Messiah. This guy might be the Messiah. He might come back. And they thought the Messiah was coming back to reinstate God's kingdom and glory on earth. They never expected him to come back on earth to die to reinstate God's glory in that way. They expected him to come ruling. If, if you've seen if, or if you've watched maybe The Chosen and all, um, and, and they have like those little videos and, and they have the show where they're talking about it, you can see clearly that they even depict in there that they're saying, hey, he's going to come back and i got to get ready to fight. It was going to be a fight when the Messiah comes back. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. So when Jesus is speaking and doing miracles, the people are excited. They have this hope. They have this excitement around them. They have this idea. And Nicodemus was one of the people who was watching Jesus' signs and wonders. Now, he was a ruling person in the Sanhedrin, which he was a religious Pharisee. He was educated. And his, his name in Greek, Nicodemus, means ruler, means an influential ruler. So he came to Jesus... At the middle of the night. And, and, and one of the scholars say they actually believe that Nicodemus came for all men and women to approach Jesus to ask him these questions. He has questions. He can't understand it. He said, hey, I don't understand what's happening. There's miracles that are happening. There's things that are happening. I don't understand what's going on. Can you explain this to me? But he goes straight to the source. And why did he approach Jesus by night? That was my question. Could have been for a couple different reasons. Maybe he didn't want to be interrupted. Maybe he didn't want to be seen conversing with Jesus in front of the other religious leaders. You know what your mom always says, nothing good ever happens after, what is it, 10 p.m.? 11 p.m. or is it midnight? I don't know. For me, it's 7. I'm falling asleep now. Movie gets started after 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I'll see you tomorrow. He approaches Jesus, and he actually approaches Jesus with a lot of respect and with a lot of honor. And he says, Rabbi, we know you're from God because no one can do what you're doing unless God is with you. Now, you know what I'm talking about. Many of you have been, if you're here and you've been Christians for a while, or maybe you haven't, maybe you've heard this term anointing, the anointing of God. People will talk about it when someone's speaking or when someone's leading worship or when someone's sharing the message with you. You're like, they just have an anointing. Well, how do you kind of quantify that anointing? The reality is you just kind of know it when you see it. When someone has the anointing of God, you kind of understand, hey, they have God power through them. God is working in them to speak. And that's really what he's seeing. He sees the anointing of God on Jesus, and there's something different about him. There's something different about him. And so he goes up to Jesus, and he asks him, hey, you know, who are you? Rabbi, we know you're from God because all that we know that's happening cannot happen unless you have the anointing, unless you have the power of God. We've never seen things like this happen before. And then Jesus hits him with something that throws his, his brain in a little bit of a teaser. John chapter 3, 3. Let's read it again. Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus hits him with this little zinger here. And you may think it's pretty 
pretty straightforward, but for him, this was difficult. And that brings me to my first point. First point is this, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And before you think we're sitting too elementary, I'm, I'm going to try to explain it to you. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. I know for most of us in the room, you're thinking, okay, cool, this is obvious. This is simplistic. I got it. But I want you to put yourself in Nicodemus' shoes for a moment. And I'm going to try to do that culturally. It was widely taught by the Jews at this time, most likely Nicodemus being one of these teachers, that if you descended from Abraham, you were sealed. It did not matter. You were automatically assured into heaven. In fact, check this out. Some rabbis taught that Abraham stood watch at the gates of hell just to make sure that none of his descendants accidentally wandered in there. So if you are from the line of Abraham, if you are a Jew, if you are in this position uh, culturally, ethnically, like through your family line, you don't have to worry about being born again. You don't have to worry about seeing the kingdom of God because you are in the right family. You're good no matter what happened. You drew the lucky straw. You're God's chosen people. So it doesn't really matter. You're into heaven regardless. And that's kind of how they walked around. And they looked at all of the Gentiles like, you aren't going to make it. Right? They would call the Samaritans half-breeds because they were half-Jewish, half-Samaritan. They were saying, no, 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 you're not from the line of Abraham. You're not going to make it in. And they, they, they put that out there. But then Jesus says this sentiment to him. He says, hey, you need to be born again. And it kind of messes with Nicodemus. He's like, whoa, 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 I already won the lottery. I was born in the right family. So why would I need to be born again? If I'm born again, what if I'm born into a different family? Or I don't understand how that even works. What, is it, what do you mean I need to be born again? I'm in the line of Abraham. I'm in the chosen people. And when you translate the Greek word again, so born again, when you translate that word, it can also be translated to from above, born from above. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this was most likely earth shattering for Nicodemus because he was born right. He was born in the right family. He had the right favor. He had everything in his sights. He was taken care of. He didn't have to worry about it. The Messiah was coming back. When he came back, they'd win. It's all good. Now check out his response. Verse 4. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? What Nicodemus isn't understanding in this time is really this theological term called regeneration. And it's not a moral or religious reform that brings new life. What it is is, in order to belong in the heavenly kingdom, in order to belong into the kingdom of God, you must be born into it. And Jesus says that if you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, you need to be born from above. So this is not something you can do yourself. This is not something you can be born into. Church attendance doesn't earn this. Tithing doesn't earn this. Serving in church doesn't earn this. Serving in kids might earn it. Just kidding. It's not something that we can obtain on our own. And that's the point. Right? If we just said, hey, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must wash this way on the third day, you must give this way on this day, and then you must never miss church, we'd have some people with perfect attendance. 
Because we'd be like, hey, I want to I be signed, sealed, and delivered. If, I be, if I'm in, I'm good. We try to earn it ourselves, and that's the beauty of the gospel. When Jesus says this to Nicodemus, he shatters his worldview. He shatters his perspective, and he says, uh-oh, I'm no longer good. I'm no longer for sure in, is what he's realizing in this moment. Because he's understanding through Jesus that he can't earn it himself. He doesn't get it just by his family line. He doesn't deserve it. The only way he can get it is through faith in Jesus. It's the only way he can get it. And that's the beauty of the gospel, that the goodness of God is that he gives us the ability to be born into his family through his sacrifice. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. But he gives it anyway. That's the goodness of God. Let's keep reading in verse 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which of born of flesh is flesh, and that which of born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus explains this further to him. Unless one is born of water, and this could mean several different things. There are different theologians who think this means several different things. It could be taught as baptism, right? Baptized underwater in your death and your sin, and you come again with Jesus. You're risen again. That could mean that. There's some scriptural basis to that. It could also mean just born into this world because you're born into this world in a womb, right? Either way, the flesh in you and your chosen is born, and then you're born in spirit, which is to believe in Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, don't marvel at this. This is simple stuff here, Nicodemus. You just don't get it. This is simple. He says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. Now, I want to give you a side little story. Abby's cousin... Uh, has a story about wind. And she's from Iowa, so forgive her, okay, about this story. But her cousin was on a cruise ship with her family, and they loved to tell this story. And she was on this big cruise ship, and it was really windy on the ship. And she goes, man, it's, you know, her aunt said, it's really windy out here. And she goes, yeah, I don't know how, though, because there's no trees. And they're like, what? She goes, yeah, the trees make the wind, that's how you know where the tree, the wind comes is because of the trees. And it's like, oh boy, these Iowa schools are in big trouble right now. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness. No, no, no. The wind is not coming from the trees. There's no trees. How will we find out the wind? Pray for her. She needs prayer. If she listens to this, I might need prayer. But Jesus is saying this. Listen, the wind works. You hear it. You feel it. You see its effects, but you don't understand everything about it, right? I can tell you that right now because the Ryder Cup's been on this weekend and the USA has been getting beat. That's golf for those of you who don't know. And when I play golf, I pick up a little piece of grass and I go like this and I try to see where the wind's going and it just seems like my ball goes whatever way it wants to go. So I don't know which way it goes either, right? Who knows where the wind is coming and where the wind is going. It's just moving around. But that's the reality is what Jesus is speaking to is this deep understanding of we don't need to know everything. And that's where faith comes in. So my second point is this, is you need faith to see the kingdom of God. 
The faith to believe it before you see it. The faith to believe that it's there even without the trees. That you simply don't understand everything. And there's some people in this room who've been following Jesus a lot longer than me or a lot longer than many of us. And there's plenty of things that they would tell you blatantly, I don't understand. I don't understand why it had to be this way. I don't understand why this specific thing happened. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why that happened. But the underarching principle is that they have faith in God. They may not like it. They may think it should have went differently, but they are still fighting to show up for Jesus. They're not running because they don't understand, because they understand that that's where faith comes in. The reality is, is that if you're going to make it on this journey of faith, then the battle to trust God is difficult. That you need to trust him that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I don't know everything. I don't know what's going on in your situation or what's happening in your life. But I do know one thing, that it's worth it to trust in God. I can't give you every answer, but what I can tell you is that if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, you need faith. Let's keep reading John chapter 3, verse 9. Nicodemus says to him, how can these things be? Jesus just takes the ultimate shot. Are you a teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is speaking to his holiness and his godliness right now. Check out exactly what he says. We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. He's speaking in Trinitarian language. He's speaking to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm speaking right now to what we know. I've been there. He's talking about that. Jesus is God with skin on. He's explaining this very simply, and we don't understand. It's some frustration from Jesus at this point. He's like, hey, basically, I've used every earthly example I can to tell you about this. If you still don't get it, then I don't really know what to tell you. And you know what's hilarious to me when you, when you think about this? Who he's speaking to. He's not speaking to someone who is new. He's not speaking to someone who's new to church. He's not speaking to someone who doesn't understand religion. He's speaking to someone who is a Pharisee. And I don't know if you know a little bit about what it takes to become a Pharisee, but in order to become a Pharisee, you have to memorize the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Memorize. Say out loud. Imagine memorizing Leviticus. I'm serious. I mean, think about it. The amount of knowledge that he had to have in order to be like, all right, in the beginning, all the way through Deuteronomy. That's incredible. The amount of knowledge that he had, the amount of repetition that it had to take him. Have you ever tried to memorize a verse? If you haven't, it's, you should. But if you've ever tried to memorize a verse, I don't know about you, but I got like three lines in and I'm like, man, I messed that up. I messed that up. I, okay, I got I to gotta write it down. Imagine the time and the study and, and, and the dedication that it took him to get this religious status. And yet Jesus is saying, do you not get it? Why? Because Jesus is breaking everything down. He's showing 
the reality of what's been happening that they've been missing all along. He's saying, listen, no one has authority except for the one who descended from heaven, and I only know one who descended from heaven. How many of us remember that old song? He came from to earth. Oh, no, one, no one said anything. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? It's good. I just, you know what? Showed my sweat pits for no reason. I'm, I'm with you. All right. Let's make fun of the sweaty guy. Okay, cool. Right? He came from heaven to earth to what? Show the way. We're going to sing that song next week. No, we can't. No, we can't. I can't play it. I'll just blame it on me. Even the, the best and the brightest couldn't figure it out. So he had to make it plain, right? He had to make it plain. We used to have somebody in our church in Appleton who would yell, make it plain, pastor. And I would be like, come on, you know? And I said, you know what? I was praying last night. I said, God, maybe someone wants to just, in our church, feel spontaneous to start shouting me down on Sunday mornings, right? And they shout, make it plain, make it plain. So Jesus made it plain for him. Nicodemus can't understand. He's confused. He doesn't get it. How can I be born again? I'm religious. I got this right. The Gentiles don't have this right. You don't have this right. I'm here. How can I do this? Jesus says, okay, I'll make it plain for you. Starting in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the servant to the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what Jesus is, this is a comparison that he's making. Just as Moses lifted up his staff in the wilderness before he freed the Israelites from slavery, the Son of Man must be lifted up to free the entire world from slavery to sin. That whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So he had to go back to the Old Testament. He goes, you understand what happened, what Moses was doing in that, in that period. That's what I'm doing again. I'm the sacrifice. We're not just talking about here on earth. We're not just talking about this kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom in which to come. How? Because God so loved the world. Jesus is the only one to speak with the authority. He's the only one to speak on this planet to break it down and make it plain for us. And what does he say? He just asks us to believe. He just asks us to believe. Simply, what can we do? Will we trust and will we believe. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, like I said, and you see their eyes open, where you can realize it, and you're like, yeah, I get it. While we were at the Convoy of Hope uh, event in Chicago, I had the opportunity to serve, and we had so many people serve, I had the opportunity to serve at the prayer tent. And what was cool about the prayer tent is people came in there, and uh, we were hounding them for prayer. Literally, there were people out there, they, you have to walk through the prayer tent in order to get the groceries, strategic and smart at the same time, right? And uh, we're saying, hey, come on in. And, and so there's a guy who came in and, and uh, he, he shared his story. And I was thinking about this last night and he came in and he shared his story and he was saying, listen, man, I've been messed up on drugs. I've been kicked out of my house. I lost my job. I lost my family. I don't, I, I don't even know if I'll be able to see my kid anymore. I need prayer. 
And so we just started asking him some questions. It was me and, a, and another person from Hope Church. We started asking him some questions. Hey, what's, you know, what's going on? What can we do? What can we help you with? And then we just simply said, do you know Jesus? And he said, no. And I'll never forget, but he looked up. He had been looking down the whole time. He's staring at his shoes. And he's staring at his shoes because he's filled with shame. And he's filled with pain. And he's filled with hurt. And he's staring at his shoes the whole time. And, he, and we say, hey, do you know Jesus? And he says, no. And he looked up, but I want to. And then we explained the gospel to him. We said, listen, Jesus came down so that you could put your faith in him. He died for your sins. He died for you. And right now, all he's asking of you is that you want to put your faith in him. Can you believe it? And we said, do you want to make that decision today? And with tears in his eyes, he looked up and he said, yes, I want to make that decision today. And we prayed for him right there. I said, repeat this after me. And we, we prayed together. And as we were walking out together, he said, he said, man, I don't know why. This is the part that was so, so interesting. I don't know why, but today I just felt like I needed to go on a walk. I've been in the house for a long time, stuck in. I felt like I needed to go on a walk, and I ended up here. And in this moment, this guy with no religious understanding, we said, hey, have you ever been to church? He said, no, I've never been to church ever in my life. He had no religious understanding. He had no biblical knowledge. He didn't memorize the Torah. He didn't know what exactly to say. But he knew one thing, that he wanted to put his faith in Jesus. He wanted to trust him. He knew one thing, that the way that he was going right now was not going to work out for him. And so what did he do when we asked that simple question, hey, do you know Jesus? He says, no, but I want to. I'm going to ask if someone can come to the keys at this time. The question I have for you this morning is this, very simple. It's not if the plan that you're working on is going to work out or you know, in church we get to all these things and we have all these ideas and these, these ideas of grandeur. And I sometimes laugh when I think about it now, thinking about what I thought ministry would be like, when I thought what church would be like for me. In college, I man, I had all these ideas of grandeur. And as the more I grow older, the more God just stomps out the pride in me and just says, hey, be more humble. It's not your church, buddy. It's mine. Do yourself a favor and be quiet. And we have all these ideas of grandeur and these things that we're going to do. And God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And simply, I feel like he's saying, listen, here's my word. Can you believe it? He said, I came down to set the captives free. I came down to live a life of purpose so that I could be sacrificed for the entire world. The question isn't if Jesus is good enough question is, can you believe it? When you're standing in front of your greatest fear, when you're wondering if this is worth it, when you're wondering if you're giving your life to something that you're not sure is worth it, when you're wondering if you're making the right decisions, when you're sitting there contemplating, do I want to give up my old ways? Do I want to give up my sin? Do I want to give up that? Do I want to go more towards Jesus? 
I feel like he's standing there and he's saying, can you believe it? Because if you can believe it and put your faith and hope in him, that you will see the kingdom of heaven, that you will see Jesus, the Messiah, the one that came down from heaven to earth to die for you. I like this, this chapter because Jesus took somebody who thought they knew everything and showed them something that they never would have got on their own. And I pray he can do that for you. No matter if you know everything or if you feel like I'm still learning or I can't figure this out, I pray that Jesus would take whatever knowledge you think you have and he would show you something that you've never seen before. And maybe he'll show you grace. Maybe he'll show you peace. Maybe he'll show you forgiveness in a way that you've never seen. The reality of the question still remains. Can you believe it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this, this morning. We thank you today, God, that you are good. We thank you today, God, that you make it plain for us. We thank you today, God, that we can come before you and we can stand at your throne boldly. We don't have to be in fear. We don't have to walk away trembling. We can know that you are good. And God, we pray this morning that you would be lifted high. I pray today that this question, can you believe it, would be reverberating in our brains throughout this week. Can I believe it? And I pray that we would make decisions to say yes, yes, yes. Tomorrow at the beginning of the week, yes, God. When I face that first struggle, yes. When, I, when I'm dealing with that difficult family member, yes. When I'm dealing with that tough situation, when I'm dealing with that financial situation, yes, yes, I can believe it. And I'm gonna put my faith and hope in you today. We thank you today, Jesus. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.